All right, I want to read Psalm 27 uh, before we get to preaching it. Psalm 27 of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. I'm not sure how many more times I'll have the opportunity to, to preach to you, but I wanted to be sure to take the opportunity this morning, and I'm super thankful for the opportunity to be able to preach to you today um, while Scott is away. Um, I want to preach to you this morning about Jesus Christ. There is no other one so precious. There is no other one so important. There is, there is no other one who's so worthy of our worship. I want to remind you today as we go back to the Old Testament um, that, that our Old Testaments, are, are, they're breathed out by God. And these words are rich in, in information. They're rich in application. We don't just see Jesus from Matthew on. Uh, we see Jesus throughout our entire Bibles, from Genesis throughout. He is the central character. And today I want to encourage your hearts. Uh, my, my prayer is that at the end of today's message, your heart will be reoriented and renewed and revived in the goodness of our Christ. And so our, our main idea today, our big point, uh, is to put your heart's confidence in Christ. I want to encourage you today, put your heart's confidence in Christ. There was a man named Charles Blondin uh, who was a French trapeze artist in the 19th century. Now, I'm not sure how up-to-date you are on your famous French trapeze artist, um, but he was the one that set the standard for trapeze artists. Other people were compared to him. So if you were a really good trapeze artist in Australia, you were called the Australian Blondin. Uh, if you were a female trapeze artist, you were called the female Blondin. Uh, he set the absolute standard. Uh, most famously, he was the first person to walk from Canada to the U.S. across the Ni Niagara Falls on a tightrope. All right? So uh, he, was, he was incredibly famous, and, and a story has been told that has circulated pretty far and wide. The story has been told about when he made this uh, first walk from, from Canada to the U.S. on a tightrope. Um, and the story is, is said that he, he walked across, um, and everyone oohed and awed, and then he came back, and everyone oohed and awed, and then he got a wheelbarrow. Uh, and then he used that wheelbarrow, and he walked with a wheelbarrow. Uh, and, and he came back, and the crowd was amazed and, and, and were applauding. Uh, and, and he is said to have asked this question, uh, who thinks... Um, that I can do it again with this wheelbarrow. 
And everyone cheered, yes, we've seen you. And, and, and he is said to have, have, have asked, uh, who thinks I could do this with somebody in the wheelbarrow? And everybody said, yes, you've done it. It's amazing. And he said, all right, I'm looking for my first volunteer. And the crowd went completely silent, right? Uh, and nobody wanted to volunteer because there was a level of confidence that he could do it, but it wasn't actually, well, not personal confidence. Like, I'm not going to risk my life with that. Um, the only problem with this story, and it's a relatively significant problem, and so I have, to, I have to just tell you this. The only problem with this story uh, is that we actually don't know that it, that it really happened. So despite the fact that this story has been repeated numerous times, um, really famous evangelists have used this, um, I just haven't been able to find verification that it really happened that way. Uh, in fact, I got a little nervous as I started uh, researching it on the internet because pretty much the only people that were telling the story uh, was preachers that wanted to make a point about confidence um, that is either impersonal or personal. And so that just made me a little bit nervous. Uh, so what I'm telling you is I don't know that the story actually happened. Uh, we do know that later he would make the same walk with his manager on his back, and so apparently his, his manager believed that he could do it. Um, but the reason that story gets told and retold is because it's a great object lesson of the difference between actually trusting that somebody else can do something and then you trusting yourself, having personal confidence, as in I believe in a way that affects my life. And, and I want to encourage you this morning to put your heart's confidence in Christ for you personally, does your heart find its confidence in Jesus Christ? Our heart is what gives us reasons to be confident. Our heart is what gives us feelings of confidence. And our heart is what leads us to make choices based on that confidence. And every one of us this morning have a level of confidence in something or someone. Uh, you might be a person this morning that has tons of confidence in fact, you have a lot of confidence because you have tons of confidence in yourself. And what I want to encourage you as that person this morning is there is a better place to put your heart's confidence, and it's in Jesus Christ. You might have a lot of confidence uh, because you are an unrealistically optimistic person. And what I want to tell you is you ought to put your heart's confidence in Jesus Christ. You might have a lot of confidence this morning because despite all the rest of the chaos in our world, things have actually gone really great for you financially. And, and finances have been a place for you to find confidence. I want to encourage you this morning, put your heart's confidence in Jesus Christ. You might have a lot of confidence this morning because things in your family seem to be going relatively well and everyone's happy and getting along and there's peace. And I want to tell you this morning, put your heart's confidence in Jesus Christ. On the other end of the spectrum, you might be here this morning and have a lot of fear. You might have a lot of fear because of unbelief. You're, you're not sure that God actually is taking care of you or can take care of you. You face a lot of uncertainties in the future. And because of the uncertainty of the times, you, you have found that your confidence is not in Jesus Christ. In fact, you, you lack any sort of courage and confidence. There might be thoughts about a future that you don't know and you can't control. What I want to encourage you this morning is put your heart's confidence in Jesus Christ. If you're asking, how can I do that? What does that look like? I think Psalm 27 describes four actions of a heart that finds its confidence in Christ. So four actions of a heart that finds its confidence in Christ. Um, and here's what the four are. I'll just give them, I'll give them to you. They're also in your bulletin, but here's the four main points. Know the Christ you are confident in. Be committed to that Christ. Cry out to that Christ. 
and get your courage from that Christ. Those are what I'm confident are main points here in Psalm 27. Um, I do want to say that I'm indebted to an outline um, from the Holman Christian Commentary on the Psalm. I've adapted it and changed it, but I, I do want to acknowledge that um, I've used that, that commentary and it's been helpful for me. So let's start. If we're going to put our heart's confidence in Christ, we need to start by knowing the Christ that we have confidence in. Verses 1 through 3 actually set the stage for the entire rest of the psalm. Uh, so we're going to spend a little more time there than we will the rest of the psalm because these words are crucial to getting the point of the whole psalm. He starts out saying, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The psalmist David starts out saying, The Lord is my light and the Lord is my salvation. And what we see is that he knows who he has confidence in. What he knows about the Lord is that the Lord is his light, the Lord is his salvation, and the Lord is the stronghold of his life. If we know the Christ that we are confident in, we can know that, that he will deliver us. These are words of deliverance here in verse 1. Um, that, that he is a light in salvation so we don't have to fear. That he is a stronghold and so we don't have to be afraid. He says the Lord, and that's the covenant-keeping God of Israel. This is the God who made promises to Israel. He, he chose them because he chose them. He loved them because he loved them. He was faithful to them through all of their sins and all of their failures. He is the Lord. He was faithful from generation to generation. And he's made promises to you and to me too. He loves you and he loves me too. He's been faithful to us. Do you know the Christ that you can put your confidence in? There aren't any other gods besides him. He's the Lord. You might ask, well, why am I saying to put your confidence in Christ? Because David doesn't say Christ. In fact, uh, David would only look forward to seeing uh, the Christ, although he would have absolutely believed in the Messiah. But he wouldn't have known the Messiah was Jesus of, of Nazareth. Why, why can I say that this morning? Well, first of all, our Trinitarianism tells us that it's appropriate to see Jesus as the Christ, and Jesus as the Lord, right? Because we believe in a God who is three in one, um, it's appropriate for us in our Trinitarianism to say that when we see Lord, we can understand that this is Christ. But, but secondly, I think David's descriptions of the Lord fit Jesus specifically and best. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. So when the psalmist says the Lord is my light, there is a hint of something that is coming, Jesus who is the light of the world. Jesus is always seen as the second person of the Trinity who is saving his people. So whether that's physical or spiritual, Jesus is the salvation of his people. So whether it is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace and the person who is with them, I am convinced, is a pre-incarnate Jesus. Jesus is in the work of saving his people. Obviously, when we get to the gospel in the New Testament, Jesus is the one who is the savior of his people. So words of salvation um, rightly remind us of, of Jesus. I think the concept of a stronghold is just another aspect of Jesus' saving and rescuing and, and sheltering work. So what I'm saying is I think it's theologically appropriate to direct our attention in this psalm to Jesus Christ, and I'm certain that it's good for our souls to think of why we can be confident in Jesus today. Do we know him as the Lord? David says, he, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Do you, do you see that emphasis on my David knew the only true God personally. Do, do you know him personally?
personally. The Lord is my light and my salvation, not somebody else's, not my father's, not my mother's, not some other church members, but the Lord is my light and my salvation. You can put your heart's confidence in Jesus if he is your savior, if he is your God. I, I think it's interesting to note that, that the psalmist doesn't say that the Lord gives me light and the Lord gives me salvation. He says, the Lord is my light and he is my salvation. Why, why does that matter? I think the significance is uh, that instead of asking Christ to give us light and then going on a hunt for the light, Jesus says, I am the light, look at me. Do you see the difference? If, if we think that, that Jesus gives us light, we start looking, where is it? But if Jesus is your light, you start looking for him. The psalmist says, he is my light and he is my salvation. Not that he's going to give me salvation, not that I look at my circumstances, but that my salvation is found in this person. This is a personal belief of a Savior who is our light and who is our salvation. We pursue a person. If we want our heart's confidence to be in Christ, we pursue a person and not the provision that he gives us. I think it was Mark Twain that famously said the difference between the right word is the difference between lightning and the lightning bug. Um, I do think there is a significant difference between saying that our hope is in what Jesus provides and our hope is in Jesus as a person. It's, it's the difference between a student trying to pass a class or a student who's actually trying to learn. Those are not the same person. It's the difference between having a genie and having a father. Those are not the same. The psalmist says, he is my light and he is my salvation. So because he is light, then the psalmist says, whom shall I fear? Because he is my light. What is it about light that we find so comforting? Uh, whether, whether it's been a long time since you had a nightlight uh, or not, there's just something about light that we appreciate and value. Um, we got to have a little bit of vacation time this summer, and on that trip, uh, we took Luca's, he's got a little owl nightlight, right? And it's important to him that before he goes to sleep, that nightlight be on. If it's not on, you're going to hear about it, right? Because he wants that light on. There's something comforting about just that little bit of light instead of being in a, in a totally dark room. But do we think that the Lord's light is faint and flickering like a little tiny night, night light? I mean, isn't, isn't the light that our Lord is, isn't it more like one of those kajillion candle, candle power flashlights? I see these ads for these flashlights that can turn, you know, the middle of night. It'll look the brightest day, and it's got however many million um, candlelight, candle watt power. Um, but there's times when we don't feel like we have a lot of light, and our heart's confidence is not that Jesus is our light, that our Christ is our light, but he is our light and our salvation. And when that's our confidence, whom shall we fear? When we read the word salvation, we often immediately think in terms of the cross and we immediately think in terms of redemption. We're going to see in this psalm that David is not talking necessarily about salvation from his sins. He's talking about being physically rescued. And he says that the Lord is going to be the one who rescues him. God is going to save David from his enemies. And the importance for us as we put ourselves back in David's shoes is that salvation for David is not an abstraction. It's, it's, not, it's not a theory. David actually needs to be rescued from people who are literally trying to kill him. And he says that my salvation is in God. My practical rescue from my enemies is God himself. And so he says, whom shall I fear? Now, it's at this point that it might be easy for us to get a little bit of distance between us and the text because probably for most of us, our fears are not from a whom, 
Now, there, there may be some of us who are actually um, being surrounded by people that are legitimately trying to, whatever, take over our business or attack us personally. I doubt that you're being surrounded by people that genuinely want to kill you, um, like David was. And so a lot of times we read, whom shall I fear? And we just think like, oh, well, that was for them back back then. What am I supposed to do with that? Uh, the reality is that our fear is often not so much a whom, but a what. And yet we still ought to be able to apply the principles that David applies in this passage. The Lord is our light in our salvation. So whether it's a whom or a what shall I fear, our, our confidence needs to be in the Lord that we know. Do we know this Christ that causes us to not have to fear despite our what? Will I be able to provide for my family? Um, will my kids have the same comforts and sports and lifestyle that, that they used to have? Will, um, will my life matter? Uh, will, will, will my ministry be significant? Will, will I rightly evaluate what is important in life? Uh, even if your fear is a what, the Lord can still be your light and your salvation. He says, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Um, strongholds would have really mattered to David from a military perspective um, because that's how you would have won military, military battles back then, being in a stronghold. And so he says, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. David has a confidence and a trust in God for his real life. He says, of whom shall I be afraid? As I have read this passage and, and meditated on it um, for myself, I, I have, I've been forced to face an unpleasant reality. Um, that was within my own heart. And, and maybe um, you will resonate with it as possibly being in yours as well. Um, I think that I have too easily allowed myself to say that I believe that God can be trustworthy. I, 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 instead of saying I do trust him in this circumstance to be trustworthy, I say, well, I know it's possible for him to be my light and my salvation. And what I think that is, is it's a dodge. It's a dodge for me to say that God can do whatever he wants, but yet within to doubt that he actually will do all of his good plans. It's, it's not just that, that our Christ is trustworthy in general, or that he's trustworthy in theory, or he's trustworthy in an idea. He actually is reliable in the fear that you are experiencing right now. God is good. He is reliable. And the reality is that it's an insult to his character to only think that he can be trustworthy instead of him actually being trustworthy. He is my stronghold. He's the place of reliable safety. So, do we know our Christ? Do we know the Christ we're confident in? He will be a deliverer. Uh, verse number two, uh, he moves on uh, to defeating David's enemies. He says in verse two, when evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. He is the great deliverer. And one Bible commentator said that one almighty is mightier than all mighties. Right? I, I like that. As, as, as these evildoers were attacking David, he says to eat up my flesh. You know, like they, they want to eat me alive. Right? That's an expression we use sometimes. They, my job is just eating me alive. Right? Or this person just wants to eat me alive. David, David says that's what's going on, but they're the ones who end up stumbling and falling because my confidence is in my God. You might feel like life wants to eat you alive right now, but life lacks the ability to overpower you when your confidence is in Christ, when he is your light and your salvation. So uh, we need to know this Christ, that, that he is the one who will, who will deliver us. He's the one who, who will defeat our enemies. He is the one who will defend us, verse 3. And now we're going to start picking up a little bit of speed as we move through the rest of the psalm. Uh, verse 3, he says, um, Even though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear, the war arise against me, yet I will be confident. 
And there you see it again, that David understands that the question of our fear is a question of our hearts. He, he says, even if there's an army against me, my heart will not fear. How is that possible that an army could not cause David fear? He says, even though war come up against me, I will be confident. How can he say that? How can he say, I don't have fear and I have confidence? It's because of verse number one, that the Lord is his light and the Lord is his salvation. He has put all of his heart's confidence, not in peace, not in military might, not in, not in his physical strongholds. He's put his confidence and all of his heart's confidence is in his Christ. Is, is that where your heart's confidence is this morning? that it's in a Christ that you know. It says, though an army encamp against me, you get this picture of this army just surrounding David. And yet he says, even if that happens, my heart shall not fear. All right. Um, I know sometimes it's dangerous to use an illustration uh, from a movie, uh, especially a movie that will show you that I am a little bit um, of, of a dork. Um, but I happen to really like The Lord of the Rings. And I liked The Lord of the Rings long before they were ever a movie, right? I was going to tell you that um, I actually read, read all of the books twice before I watched the movie, and then I realized that just makes me more of a dork. Um, but uh, there's this amazing scene in Lord of the Rings. If you didn't read the books, maybe you've seen the movies where um, you, have this, you have the good guys. I'll simplify it for you, right? You don't have to know anything about Lord of the Rings. There's there's good guys in a city, and there's bad guys outside, and the bad guys are like a gazillion more than the guys inside the city. The city's going to get totally overrun, right? And in my mind, that's a picture of what David's saying. There's an army encamped against me. They're all out there. I'm in here, and I'm about to... It, it, don't worry, it, it worked out. Um, Gandalf came and saved the day. Um, but you may not be a Lord of the Rings person. Uh, maybe you're a history person and you have the, a picture of like Dunkirk in your mind, right? Where you have all of these soldiers that are cut off and, and they're surrounded. There's an army around them and there looks like almost no escape, right? Um, maybe you're not a war history person. Uh, you're like a nature channel person and, and you've got like one baby zebra and there's a whole like pride of lions that are coming against this one baby zebra. Right? Whatever illustration you want to use, that's David saying, there's only one of me and there's all of these enemies, and I am not afraid. Why is he not afraid? Because Christ will defend me. He is my confidence. Because God doesn't change, the state of his people never has to be desperate. Because confidence is what we ought to have in our Christ. Confidence in ourselves is foolish. Uh, a, a sense of bravado uh, that's pointless and it's proud. But confidence in our God, that is worshipful and that is praise and that is right and, and that is good. If David can trust his God in these kind of circumstances where he's literally surrounded by armies and warfare, um, then surely we can learn the lessons we need to put our trust in this Christ. So what does a heart look like that has its trust in Christ? We know who our Christ is. Secondly, we are committed to that Christ. Uh, notice what David is after. Um, no, notice what he cares about. Notice what he's pursuing in this life situation. He says uh, in, in verse number four, one thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after. Now, if I had a literal army around me that, and people were actually trying to kill me, he says, eat up my flesh, the one thing I would ask for is what? Right? What is, I mean, put yourself in that situation. If, if a bunch of people want to, want to kill you and they're all around you, the one thing that you're wanting most is that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. Think what David is after is not um, what our hearts naturally are inclined to. Our hearts are naturally inclined to escapism. Our hearts are naturally inclined to get me out of this circumstance that is hard. I, I, I want out of it. 
And what, what David says is, what I am committed to is this Christ, and I want to know who he is. I, I'm going to seek after him. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He has a single-minded purpose. When you are God-centered, you can be trusting and you can be confident that you are pursuing after him. Notice that he wants to dwell in the house of the Lord while he's living. David was not just thinking about a future hope. He wanted to dwell with the Lord now in this life. He wanted to know who God was now. He was committed to this Christ and knowing him in the here and knowing him in the now. He wasn't out studying better military strategies. Uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't working on his self-defense plan. He said, there's one thing that I'm after, and that's to, to be committed to this God, to know him better. I wanted to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, he says, and inquire in his temple. When all we see is ourselves, our Lord does not look beautiful. When all we can think about is our concerns and our weights and, and the things that matter most to us, we don't see how great he really is. It, it matters. It matters that we see our Lord as beautiful. Whatever your idea of, of, a, perch, of a perfect beach day is, um, you might be a fan of, of the southern beaches. Maybe you like the central coast. Maybe for some reason you like the northern coast. I don't know. Um, imagine your perfect beach day. Maybe that meant you just sat and read a whole book and you didn't do anything else, but it, it got towards, towards evening. You've enjoyed some, I don't know, some fish and chips, and, and now it's getting towards, towards evening, and the sun is starting to set. And it is a beautiful sunset. It's gorgeous. It's beautiful. But throughout the day, you've just been getting sand and mud and caking it on your glasses, right? And so by the end of the day, you just have mud caked all over your glasses. The sunset can be as beautiful as it ever could be, but when all you can see is mud in your glasses, you don't recognize its beauty. That's us when we let all of the junk of our lives, when we let the junk of the world, we, we let it cover our eyes and we can't see through to the beauty of the Lord. But he is beautiful and he ought to be where our where our commitment is, is we look to him to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. What other things could David have wanted? He could have wanted peace. He could have wanted safety, protection, or guarantees. Some of the things that, that we might want, like comfort or respect or longevity or significance. And yet what David says is, I'm after one thing. I have been after one thing uh, in today's sermon, which is to encourage you to put your heart's confidence in Christ. But while I have done that, time has quickly gone past. So I'm actually going to stop at this point. I know we only made it through all of four verses of the psalm. Um, and yet I'm convinced that this whole psalm is after one thing. And that is to encourage us to put our heart's confidence in our Christ. So you get just two points of the four today. Um, know the Christ that you're confident in and, and be committed to that Christ. Can we think just briefly about application before we go to, to the Lord's table? Um, to make good application in our lives, uh, number one, we need the divine help of the Spirit. And number two, we have to have relentlessly honest self-assessment. So let me ask you uh, to pray for the Holy Spirit's help to apply this message and then consider yourself. Um, you can ask yourself, do I have confidence in something else besides Christ? Is that where my confidence is? And it could be any number of circumstances, people, objects, but is your confidence in something else? It might be in yourself, in your own talents, in your own abilities, but is, is your confidence in something else besides Christ? On the other hand, are you in the condition of having despair this morning because of not trusting Christ? 
When I, when I tell you, that when this psalm tells you put all of your heart's confidence in Christ, um, then maybe what you need to apply is I have been living in fear and in despair because I actually haven't been thinking about Christ and his goodness. I, I haven't been having a single-minded pursuit of knowing him. You could also be in probably a third or a, or a middle category, um, which is in a state of indifference. Uh, you're, you're neither trusting yourself or other things. You're not living in fear. You're just kind of going through life indifferently. Can I encourage you this morning to, to positively, proactively put your confidence in Christ? How can you know the Christ that you are confident in? Uh, you can do things like read his word. You can do things like meditate on the gospel. Uh, you, you, can, you can do things like uh, listen to Christ-centered preaching. Uh, you, can, you can fill your mind um, with all of the music that is, that is out there, you can, you can make it a point that you're going to listen to Christ-centered music so that you know who this Christ is that you are confident in. Are you, are you committed to that Christ? David has a single-minded pursuit. Maybe you need to ask yourself today, are there other things that I've allowed to interrupt my single-minded pursuit of Christ? I've let a bunch of other things into my life that are actually preventing me from pursuing him. Those are things that you can apply as the Spirit helps you that will, that will lead you to put all of your heart's confidence in Jesus Christ. He is the place where our confidence ought to be.